You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Morning, church. How are y'all? Enjoying this nice, sunshiny day outside? Is it still, uh, is it still dreary and nasty out? Okay. All right. Well, we need the rain, right? Okay. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Mike Cooper. I am one of the pastors here. So, so glad that you are here. We are probably, I think, week five, four or five in a series called A Firm Foundation. And today we are going to be looking at the doctrine of man. I believe Chris has kind of covered the God, Jesus, salvation, and when I was preparing for this message, a lot of those things that was Chris was saying in the first uh, three or four messages were kind of parlaying right into what I'm going to be talking about today. And so when you're talking about doctrine, uh, a lot of those things, obviously when you're talking about spiritual things, they all kind of run together. They all are intertwined. And so I'm going to cover specifically this morning on what it means to be made in the image of God. When you talk about man, there's lots of things that you can talk about. You can talk about sin, that you can talk about salvation. Some of those things have already been have already been covered, and so we're going to look specifically today on what it really means to be made in the image of God, and what that means, what it meant 4,000 years ago, what it means, what it meant 2,000 years ago, and what it means for us today. And so, looking forward to sharing that with you. Um, we're going to be all over the place as far as uh, scripture. And so in your notes, in the, in the program that you received, the top part of that lists some verses that you can kind of go through, really, really encourage you to take this home, um, study, go kind of go through because doctrine is a heavy thing. It can be a little bit uh, heavier than a topical kind of sermon kind of really stressed over probably the past month on what to share uh, with you this morning, just because, man, you're talking about what does it mean to be made in the image of God? What, do, what does that mean for you and I today? And how that impacts the people that we come in contact with uh, each and every day. And so I'll be jumping through some verses, primarily looking at Genesis chapter 1 and then looking at Romans 8 and then uh, a couple other verses. But the first thing I want to share with you this morning is Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, Verses 26 and 27, God makes reference to him making male and female. Uh, And then he says something at the end of those verses that he doesn't say in any of the other creation verses. After he had created the heavens and the earth and the birds of the air and the beasts of of the field and animals of the sea. After he created male and female, he says that it is good. God was pleased with what he created. And so I want you to hear that this morning, kind of backing up the song that we just finished singing, is a lot of times the world wants to tell us that we're not important. A lot of times the world wants to tell us that we are less than enough. And so I want you to hear this morning, if you don't hear another word that comes out of my mouth, 
I want you to hear this morning is that God loves you, that you are precious, that you are made in his image, and that he wants to have a relationship with you. If you don't hear anything else, please, please, please hear that. Because that will springboard into everything else that you believe, that you feel about a relationship with God. And so know that he loves you, that you were created in his image. And we're going to break that down a little bit, what that means. And so in that same verse... When he, when he mentions the word male and female, he uses the word called Adam, which A, possibly D-A-M, uh, is where we kind of get the word. Obviously, you can look at it real quick and say that we get where we get Adam from. And I want you to understand that that word is not specifically used just towards the man. It's a, it's a generic term for all of humanity, all of mankind. And so when it says that he created humanity, he was pleased. He saw that it was good. And so when he created you, I want you to hear me say this. When he created you, he said it was good. He, your hair, the way that it is or it's not, um, the way that your eyes are, the way you smile, the shape of your nose. I have long toes, the shape of, and length of my toes. I mean, he said that it was good. And if God says that it's good, guess what? It's good. It doesn't matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter what somebody else says about you. We were in Puerto Rico um, about a month ago, and there was a sign on a wall of a school. It says, it doesn't matter what they call you, it's what you answer to. And so I thought, what a beautiful, beautiful phrase, because it doesn't matter. Remember the old, the old phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie, 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 lie. Okay? People get hurt by words all the time. And so, but again, listen to those things that you need to hear. And you need to hear that God loves you, that he created you just the way that you are. And so, all right, so let's kind of delve into this a little bit. What does it mean um, when God said that that he created man uh, in his image? Um, it says in Ephesians 1, 1 and 2 that we were created for um, for, for a purpose... For, to, for, to, oh, let me slow down. I'm trying to go this quick because I went like five minutes, ten minutes longer than the other two services, and so I'm trying to say this fast. Um, that we were chosen for, to worship him, to glorify him. Isaiah 34, verse 7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. First Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do to the glory of God. First, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, Denise and I, my wife, we live in College Station. We host a, a Bible study on Wednesday nights for some college-age students. They're not all in college. Some of them are working. Um, but we did this particular, we covered this particular verse about a month and a half ago. And it says, you were created by him. And I want you to hear this last part. You were created for him. And so the answer to that question is why were we created and why were we created in his image solely to worship him, solely to, to give him glory, to, to honor him, to give him our worship and our praise. If you have been told by anybody else that you're here for another reason, you may be here to do something while you're here, but you were created for the purpose of worship. You were created for the purpose of giving God what he deserves, and that's worship. And so that kind of, you kind of have to back up from that, from that statement just for a little bit and then ask the question, well, d- does God, did God create me to, as a robot to wind me up, set me off to worship him? He didn't. Didn't set us off like that because he wants you to freely choose to worship him. He wants you to say, God, I need you, I love you, I worship you. And so 
this idea of us worshiping God has to be something that's intentional on our behalf. There's a verse in, in James chapter 4, verse 8 that says, If you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. God wants to get close to you. He wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. Despite what other people have said, uh, or despite what other people have told you, the reason that you're here, you're here primarily to worship, solely to worship God. Right, so does God need me? No. I, I, I don't mean to sound mean. I'm not trying to sound mean when I say that, but God... We don't, God has always existed. And this is this, this, this thing that kind of blows my mind a little bit. God has always existed. He existed before the creation of man. He, created, he, was, he existed before the creation of the world. And so he didn't need us then. He doesn't need us now, but he desires us. And so I want, you to, I want you to hear that, that he desires to have a relationship with you. He wants to get to know you. Does God know everything about you? He knows the numbers of hair on your head. He knows every single thing about you, but he wants to get to know you. He wants you to reciprocate. He wants you to initiate a this love relationship with him. And so that requires effort on, on our part. He will um, reciprocate that and, and, and love us back. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. And so how do I know that he wants us? Have you ever been someplace, you showed up, and you regretted showing up there about 30 seconds after you got there because there was just something annoying going on at that place? That ever happened to anybody? Three people. Okay, okay cool. So, um, all right, so let me ask a different question. Have you ever shown up at a place, and there was somebody there that y'all just didn't jive, didn't get along, and, and just the sound of their voice was just, I got laughs. I, I, there, so we've been there. Some people just, they just annoy us. Okay. All right. So we were looking for any way in the world to get out of that situation, to get away from that place, right? To, get, to find a reason, send somebody a text and say, Hey, call me real quick so you can answer your phone. Oh, really? It's an emergency. Okay. I got to go. Whatever it is. Okay. Listen, how do I know that God wants and desires you? Because we get to spend forever with him. Okay? All of eternity. We can't even wrap our minds around how long eternity in. The best, the best visual that I've ever seen. I was at a youth camp a million years ago. And this pastor, the, the survey tape, the little orange or the green survey tape, where they, they stake the ground and tie it off. You can see it kind of easily. He had a teenager he held on one end of it, and he had a teenager go to this corner, had a teenager stand there, go to the back corner. And this was in a gigantic auditorium, went to all four corners, and then came out up on stage. And then he got the other end of the roll. And then what he did is he tore off a little section about this big of that survey tape. He goes, this is not the perfect illustration, but it's good. This little section that I tore off represents how long we here are here on earth. The rest of it represents how long eternity is. And so God wants to spend all of that time with you. And he wants to spend all that time with me. And so if I'm like some of the angels, their responsibility in heaven is to just spread their wings and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I hope that I just get to stand next to an angel and get to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty for an eternity. Some of us get tired after two songs in church, okay? And so we're ready to go. 
we're going to spend all eternity telling God how holy he is. All right? And so get used to it. Okay? It's going to, it's, it's going to happen. All right. So God created us to worship, worship, worship him. And he wants to spend all of eternity to you to prove how much he wants to have a relationship with you. All right. So you kind of you have a starting point and you kind of keep backing up to kind of make the foundation, the firm foundation for the point of how does God why did he design us? Why did he create us? Why are we made in his image? So what is it? What does God look like? You ever wondered what God looks like? Any um, Lord of the Rings fans in, in again, three. All right. I need to send out an email prior to service and say, all right, well, watch a Lord of the Rings movie. All right. There is a character in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. His name is Gandalf. Okay. Super cool guy, has this long white beard. I have beard envy of this guy. He's just so, had this long robe, has this little staff. That's kind of my, growing up, that was my image of what God looked like. That he was, had this white robe sitting on the throne. His arms were kind of sitting on this, on this big chair. And he was, and he had this sweet grandpa face and just this little soft, sweet smile and these beautiful blue eyes. That's my vision of what God looks like. Is it biblical? Absolutely not. Okay? That was just kind of my imagination of what God looked like. So let's look what God's word says about what God looks like. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, is a story of the fall. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They've, uh, they've sinned. They've blown it. And then God starts walking through the Garden of Eden. And scripture says that they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Okay? Walking, sound of walking. To me, in my mind, I have a simple mind. Um, that's just, he's walking. I'm seeing footsteps and crunching on leaves and those kind of things. Okay. Um, so Acts chapter 7, verse 56 is a, sto- is a story about, uh, um, um, oh my goodness. Uh, oh my goodness. Who was the man that was stoned and Paul was collecting the coats? Who? Yes. Okay. All right. So that's the story. Jesus, I, I just had a total brain for that. I've said it twice or in the first two services. Jesus, um, the scripture says that Jesus, the son of man, is standing at the right hand of God. And so obviously we know Jesus is fully incarnate, took on flesh, walked among us. John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Verse 14, it says that and the word became flesh. And so we understand that Jesus, the representation of God, part of the, the, the Trinity and the Holy Spirit, and, and Godhead is we understand that he took on a, a bodily form. So we would understand that he's going to have he, he, he can stand that he has legs. He has feet. First, uh, Exodus chapter 34, verses five and six is a story of Moses and God. And, and, and Moses asked to see God. God says, you can't see me, but I'll pass in front of you. And so it's, scripture says that the Lord stood and then passed in front of Moses. And so we, ha- we see these multiple accounts of there being somebody standing, God in the triune, the, the, the Trinity, he, someone is standing, someone's walking. But then to kind of just confound the, 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 the problem as far as what our image is of what God looks like, John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is spirit. And so we worship in spirit and truth. So short answer to all of that is I have no idea what God looks like. 
Okay? No idea. I challenge you to, or encourage, not challenge you, I encourage you to go through scripture, find out um, as many verses as you can, and do your own little study about what, the, the, what God looks like, Him walking, Him standing, the Spirit, all those things. Because what it, what it will do is it will help you understand that there is so much about God that we just don't understand. That He is that magnificent, that He is, and that, that we're so limited in what our understanding can be. And so, um, Side story, real quick. We were in Puerto Rico uh, a, couple, a month ago, and we're doing a pastors' conference in, in lay leaders. And when it, when it comes to simple mind and not really fully understanding everything, I was I was given a lesson on small group ministry, and I was talking about this one particular uh, lesson and, and how to just kind of keep it simple. And and I said, and I, jokingly, I said, yeah, that's that's good for me because I have a simple mind. And then. The pastor who is, his name is Pastor Yvonne. He works in Old San Juan. He's a pastor of a, of a church there. And if you, Spirit leads you to pray for someone, encourage someone through prayer, his name is Pastor Yvonne. He works in just a really, really rough part of Old San Juan. Anyway, he's translating for us to all the Spanish pastors there in Puerto Rico. And I said, my simple mind. And then he starts translating. And then he does this. And when he does this, I know he's not saying that's not that's not simple. I told him I, I looked at him. And I said, listen, I didn't say I had a little brain. I just said that I had a simple mind. And so he's translating and everybody starts laughing. But again, it's one of those things where let's kind of keep it simple. Don't make things more difficult than it has to be as far as trying to understand everything about God. That's the reason we're doing these studies is for you to kind of scratch the surface on how powerful God is. All the, the things that kind of build on this foundation of what we believe and why we believe it. All right, so we've looked at made in the image of God. What does God look like? So let's kind of get into kind of the meat and potatoes of the message this morning. Four things that I want you to, to see when it comes to being made in the image of God, when it comes to the doctrine of man. And the first one is, plain and simple, we are created in his image. There, there in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, God talks about that. He says, let's make man in our image. And I want you to understand in context what that would have meant for the people that heard that when it was written, when it, when it first came out. They would have understood that that means that God, that we are like God, we're made in his likeness. But more importantly, that we are made to represent God. And what that means is that everything that we do... The words that come out of our mouth, the places that our feet go, the things that our eyes look at, the music that we listen to, all those kind of things, that needs to be vitally important to us because we are to represent God in everything that we do, in our job place, our school, our home life with our spouse and our kids and our grandkids. We represent, we are called to represent Christ in everything that we do. get that? We are called to represent everywhere we go, everything that we do. And so you ask yourself this, this little personal question. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but just think about since Saturday morning, yesterday, to right now. How well have we represented? And, I'm, and listen, church, I'm... When I say, how well have you, I'm, I'm part of you, okay? I'm asking myself the exact same question because it's important that we represent him well. 
it's important that the things that we say are honoring and glorifying to him. The things that we watch are honoring and glorifying to him. And so it's important that we represent him well. With that being said, that verse says two words. It says male and female. Okay? And I'm, I'm going to say something real quick that it's not meant to be offensive, but it's, it's God's word here at Cross Point. You know that we love everybody. There are, if you heard one time, you've heard a hundred times, if you've been here a hundred and one times, that what kind of people are, are not allowed here? No perfect people are allowed here. Okay? And so what that means is if you're messed up, that means if you're not perfect, guess what? You can come here. You can be part of this church because I'm not perfect. Pastor Chris is not perfect. Nobody in this room is perfect. And here's a shocker. This out of heaven, we're never going to be perfect. Okay? We're going to make mistakes. We're going to blow it. We're going to maybe make you upset. Not intentionally, hopefully. But, but we're, going to, we're going to make some mistakes. And so what we have to do is we have to, as best we can, and we're going to talk about this word called sanctification in just a second when it comes to the image of God. We have to mirror, we have to make sure that our image is what, is it, what it's supposed to be and us working on that image. And so we have to mirror our lives to what God's word says. God's word says right there, there's male and female. And so there is some confusion going across our, our society today on what that is and, and how you can be a male, how you can not be a male. You can be this, you can be that. God's word is very clear. Okay. How many genders there are, what our stance is. And I want you, again, I want you to hear everybody that's listening online. I want you to hear, we love people no matter what. We love people. And if, if there's something that we can do to encourage, to help, to pray, whatever, then we want to do that. But Bottom line is that we have to preach what God's word says. Okay? And if we don't, then look up James 3. Write this down, James 3, 1. Um, Scripture says that we have to teach what God's word says because those that don't are held to a stricter judgment. Okay? And so I just want to share that with you is that we want to share God's word. We want to preach Christ and him crucified and the forgiveness and mercy and grace and all those things. So let's love the way that Christ loved. Let's, let's have our image the way that God desires us to, to, to mirror him. Amen? All right. Cool. All right. So Psalms 34 verse 3 talks about, the, the I think it's the New American Standard that says, Come magnify the Lord with me. Let us, let us exalt his name together. And so what a beautiful verse for us to see that, not only individually are we to magnify God, that we're to make his image clear to the people around us. Scripture says that we're to do that corporately, that we're to magnify the name of the Lord to everybody. And what is the purpose of a magnifying glass? It's to improve or enlarge the image of what you're trying to see. Guess what our, guess what our responsibility is, church, is to magnify who God is by the way that we live our lives. We're to make his image clear to the people that we're around. Confession, I don't do that all the time. Confession, my, my flesh gets in the way, my anger gets in the way, my selfishness gets in the way. And so I make it more about me than I do God a lot of the time. But the goal is for, for me to make God's image clearer to the people that I come in contact with. And so we have to understand that we are, first of all, created in his image. Second thing I want you to see in your notes is that because of Genesis chapter 3 and Adam and Eve and the garden and the, and the forbidden fruit and the, and the tree of life, 
we have a fallen or a distorted image. It's not exactly, we don't look the way that we're supposed to look. We don't, as far as spiritually, because of sin in our life. And you know as well as I do, if most of you are perfect, I'm not. But sin continues to distort the image that God has created us to have. It, and if sin is rough enough, long enough in your life, then it will continue to distort your life. It will continue to, to mar the kind of image that you have, not only between you and your, your relationship with God, but the people that you have relationships with. Man, sin can be devastating. Sin is, is incredibly, incredibly destroying. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, oh, I'm sorry, hang on. Um, Satan comes to, to, to only steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give, it, to give you life and to give it abundantly. There, we listen to a pastor online, listen to some sermons apart from what happens here. Uh, just because, listen, I'm trying to make sure that I'm, I'm having things in my life that are pointing me towards the things of God. And if I can spend some free time in the car listen to a sermon, I figure that's got to help some, right? I mean, if I, if I can get more of Jesus, then that, that's got to be a good thing. But he's preaching through a series. Uh, it's called the 1010 Life. And he and he says in, in his messages, he goes, listen, don't forget that little four-letter word that you see in that passage. And the, that four-letter word is only. Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants for your life. He wants total destruction. And so when we allow sin to be rampant, we allow sin to be ever active in our life, that image that God has created us to have will be distorted. Amen? Everybody catch that? Everybody understand that sin is bad, right? All right. For the people that are above 25, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, um, a little more to the left, a little, no, a little more, no, oh man, it was right back, turn it back right, uh, uh, right, right there, right there. Anybody ever heard that? What am I talking about? An antenna, Right? Those of you that are in this younger generation, you have no idea what a struggle it was to watch TV back in the day, okay? So you had this little antenna connected to the side of your house or wherever it was at, and you had to turn it to get reception for your TV. And the kicker to all that was you only got three, maybe four channels, okay? Yeah. NBC, CBS, ABC. And then I don't care if you lived on a remote island 10,000 miles away, what were you going to get? PBS. Okay, Every, everybody had PBS. Bob Ross was, was painting. I mean, everybody had that. Okay, all right. And so, but you, you turn that antenna to get reception, to get clarity on, on the show that you wanted to, to see. Listen, church, we have to turn our lives towards the things of God if we're going to have the clarity, if we're going to have and be the image for people to see, to see a clear image of who God is in our life. And, and that requires some adjustment in our lives, requires some pain sometimes, requires some, some things to stay away from, but that's God's goal for us is to become more and more like him. And so real, real quick, um, it's going quick again. Um, real quick, this whole process of a fine-tuning and becoming more like him is this word called sanctification. And there's three stages, three phases of sanctification. The first one is justification, which real quickly means that you're a believer, that you've been justified before God because you've invited the blood of Christ on to, to cover your life and allow you to have forgiveness. The second phase is sanctification or that maturation, that maturing, growing closer and closer to the Lord. And the last one is glorification, where one of these days, praise 
praise God. We're going to stand before God. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we're going to enter in. And guess what's not going to be in heaven anymore? No more sin. No more imperfection. No more distorted image. We will have a perfect image of who God created us to be one of these days. And so that's the process of sanctification. Justification, the maturation, and then um, the glorification. And so once that happens, that's going to be a beautiful thing. But until that happens... Our goal right now is sanctification. Our goal is to become more and more and more like Christ. And that, and that has to happen when you choose to pick up your word every day. That choose to happen when you get in a, a community group to be around other believers, to challenge you, to encourage you, to pray for you. That's the process now until God calls us home. One of the things that I love about the song that we sang right before the message is talks about, um, I'm going to believe who God says that I am. And I want you to hear over and over again that God says that you are beautiful. God says that you are mine, that you're my child. And so there's a verse there in, in, in your notes, Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. That very first verse says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? And so don't let the evil one come in and get in your ear and say, you know, you're not good enough. Don't let him get in your ear and say, you're not worthy. Don't let him get in your ear and say, you can't do that. Because God says, I'm not condemning you. If you're my child, then I'm all for you. I can, scripture says, you can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay? So allow strength of Christ to, to, flood, to flood into your life to allow you to be able to do the things that God wants you to do. All right, real quickly, last one. Um, not only we see that we're made in the image of God, with Genesis 3 fall, that we have a fallen and distorted image. And that we, number three is that we need to, to focus or to fine-tune that image. The last thing I want you to see is we just really talked about in that glorification that when God calls us home, that there will be a perfected and complete image of who God is and what he has planned for our lives. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says that there will be this perfected glory when that, when that is revealed in us. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 says that there's an eternal glory that far outweighs the momentary troubles that we're going to go through. Heaven is going to be fantastic. Okay? I have no idea what it's going to be like. I don't know what God looks like. I know what his attributes are. I know how much that he loves us. I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but it's going to be amazing. Revelation says there's no more pain, no more sorrow. Did you know that you can get hurt sleeping? Anybody ever wake up and just say, man, did I get beat up or did I, I mean, fall, hit my train when I'm sleeping? Listen, no more of that in heaven. We're going to get up. We're going to bounce up. No more, no more ankle pain, no more knee pain, no more arthritis in our fingers. Scripture says, actually, uh, uh, I wrote it down this this morning. I think it's in, in James. Um, I, have to, I can't find it. We're, we're going to receive our, our heavenly bodies. Okay? We have, we have some temporal stuff going on right now, but we're going to receive our heavenly bodies, and that's going to be a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, and so, whoop, zero, 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 zero. Look at there. All right. As we, as we finish up, the question I have for you is, what image... Are you representing? Are you representing the image that God has planned for your life? Are you are you mirroring who He is? Are you magnifying who God is by what you do, by what you say, by where you go? If not, I'm not saying these things to condemn you. We just talked about Romans eight one. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm saying this because God wants you. To be close to him. 
And sin keeps us from him. Okay? Sin keeps us far away from being who God wants us to be. And so if we're not being the image bearer that he wants us to be, then it requires some adjustment. Just like there's an adjustment on the antenna to get reception back in the day, there's adjustment in our lives. If going this direction is causing some pain and some sin and some heartache in my life, away from the things of God, then all I have to do is simply turn and go towards where God is, where, where God wants me to do around God's people. Are there some hypocrites in this room? Is there a hypocrite on this stage? Absolutely. Because I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect this side of heaven. But the goal for me is to be as much like Christ as I can be and then ask you to forgive me when I blow it in the process, when I mess up in the process. Same thing needs to happen to the brothers and sisters sitting to your left and to your right, is that we're a work in progress, that we have a goal in mind. But we're, and we're not there yet. One of these days we'll get there, thank God, but we're not there yet. But until then, we're working on becoming more and more and more like him. How do I know that I'm reflecting him? Real quickly, how do you recognize an apple tree? There's some apples hanging on, typically, right? Depends on season and all that kind of stuff. Typically, there's some apples. What about an orange tree? Same thing. You recognize it by its fruit. Galatians chapter 5. You want to know what a Christian looks like? You want to know what a person that imitates and shares the image of God in their life? You know what it looks like? It looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Those are the fruit that we need to be displaying in our lives. You are made in the image of God. God desires you. God wants your worship. He wants you like you, you have no idea. James 4, 8 says, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. He wants to be close to you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for how much you love us and how much you prove that you love us by... By sending your son to die a cruel death on a, on a terrible cross, shedding his perfect, innocent blood so that we could spend forever and ever and ever and ever with you. Father, I know that the picture that I display, the image that I display is not all that you want it to be sometimes, most of the time, probably. But Father, you... You tell me that there is no condemnation in me because I've invited you into my life. And I'm a work in progress. That sanctification process is is active. Father, continue to draw me. Continue to draw the folks that are in this room, that are listening online. That you would draw them to yourself. You would help us, as Philippians says, to work out our salvation. Father, our desire is to please you. Our desire is to love you with all of our hearts. So Father, help us and give us the strength when that doesn't happen. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.